welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome, everyone. So today I'm joined by Dr. Jessica Zucker, who is a Los Angeles-based psychologist specializing in reproductive and maternal mental health. She's also the creator of the hashtag I Had a Miscarriage campaign. Her new book is now available today, uh, titled I Had a Miscarriage, a Memoir, a Movement. Her details would also be in the show notes. So welcome, Jessica, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to meet you. Thank you. Same here. So to start off, please tell us a little bit about yourself and your story. Sure. Well, it's an interesting journey. Um, I guess I'll begin sort of before I understood this from a corporeal perspective. So, Mm -hmm. So as you mentioned, I'm a psychologist and I specialize in women's reproductive and maternal mental health. and have done so for over a decade at this point. And so I have a background in public health. And when I decided to pursue my PhD, I sort of wanted to marry my interests in my clinical work. So I had worked in international women's health related stuff Mm -hmm. and wanted to be sure to be sitting with people talking about the various things that impact us. So pregnancy, pregnancy loss, perinatal and postpartum mood and anxiety disorders, terminating for medical reasons, all of these things. And again, at the time, I had no personal connection to the issues. I just felt really passionately about them. Mm. And then in my second pregnancy at 16 weeks along, I had a miscarriage while I was home by myself. My book gets very into the details, the dramatic and traumatic way in which it unfolded. Uh, But, you know, sort of suffice it to say that this profoundly uh, terrifying experience changed the course of my personal and professional life. So soon thereafter, I became kind of dead set on being part of changing the cultural conversation and lack thereof um, surrounding pregnancy and infant loss. Because as you know, I mean, we just, we have to normalize this so that people around the world feel like they are not alone, so that people do not feel a sense of shame, isolation, alienation from themselves, from their families, from their communities. Yes. You know, and we just have to talk about it. Um, so, you know, my, my personal experience really uh, transformed the way that I saw my work. I you know I, at, at, before my loss, I understood people's grief only from textbooks, really. Mm-hmm. And of course, from having empathy and um, being a psychologist and trained in that way. But after I went through it, wow, I felt it, you know, I was, it was, I was so porous after my loss, just because of course of like the hormones and this experience of having to cut the umbilical cord, seeing my dead baby, 
in my hands, you know, just, I mean, the, the details are, are gory and intense, but uh, yeah. So that, that's sort of what brought me to all of this. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. And I'm so sorry for your loss. I mean, Thank like you, you rightfully said, um, pregnancy loss can be so heartbreaking and the impact is just, it's almost forever. Like, you know, you just- It really is. Yeah. So what helped you to get through the loss? Like during that time, what, what would you say helped you on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. I, 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 like, I attempt to show in the pages of my book mm-hmm. how retrospect has been such an astute teacher for me. So I think I thought I was, quote unquote, holding it together. You know, I returned to work about a week and a half after my loss, which was insane. Yeah. But it was almost like the adrenaline forced me to, or like my mind made me think that I needed the structure, which I did. And I, and I just, I didn't want my patients to feel abandoned, of course. And I didn't want them to worry about me either, but I just didn't do a good job of taking care of myself because I didn't realize how badly I needed to, which I think is common. You know, I think like we were so used to pushing on and pushing forward and trying to get back to who we were and all of these notions that are faulty, I think. So I really, I struggled and I think it sort of the PTSD of my experience festered for a long time. And, and honestly, maybe to this day, I mean, I don't have intrusive memories of the experience. I mean, it's been eight years now, Um, but it woke up an anxiety in my body that has yet to be fully quieted. And again, in the book, I get into like the various ways I attempted to uh, work through this or to calm things down, but that like, you know, situations would arise that would peak my fear or peak my intense anxiety. I went on to get pregnant again, uh, very quickly after my loss, which you know, was both, I guess, exciting and hopeful, but also excruciatingly uh, scary. Yeah, I can imagine. Day-to-day basis, checking for blood hour by hour, like imagining that there was no way this could work out well. Um, And so that only added sort of insult to injury in terms of the anxiety. And I wasn't able to process my grief so much during the pregnancy because I was sort of suspended between hope and heartache. And I, it was, it was a lot, it was awful. Uh, And then I think I thought that once my healthy daughter was born, that I would sort of sigh this huge breath of relief and bid farewell to the anxiety once and for all. But instead, uh, I think it only ratcheted up once she was born. Cause I, 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 I get really into this in the book, this vivid memory of her being born. She was so calm and quiet 
And my son, my first pregnancy, you know, he came out screaming. And so I did not understand why she wasn't louder. Right. And she suckled and I held her. But then when the nurse took my daughter to weigh her and measure her and stuff, I wasn't hearing her and I was alarmed. And that's when I realized that no, no amount of, you know, healthy baby was going to reassure me that she was going to persist. Yeah. And that's another reason I think we need to be talking so much more about pregnancy loss because pregnancy after pregnancy loss is a whole world on it unto itself. Yeah. You know? And so anyway, but uh, getting back to your question, sorry, I'm kind of on a tangent. No, um, yeah. yeah. So I think what helped was, well, so I was already in therapy as a therapist. I, I you know, I, I'm, a firm believer that we need to be in therapy ourselves. So of course, reconnect or not even re, but connecting with her about my loss was hugely helpful. But then when I started writing about pregnancy loss and the politics around it and the emotions around it, um, and then I started to put my writing out in the world, connecting with other women who have been through similar experiences was actually the most helpful and reassuring of anything in my process. Hmm. I mean, I, 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 I hesitate to use the word healing when it comes to pregnancy and infant loss, because I don't see healing or grief as linear as finite. It's circuitous. It knows no timeline. And so I wouldn't say like writing, healed me, but I think that the writing and connecting with a global community is what allowed me to have connection when I needed it most. Right. Yeah. Well said. And I think like you, you noted, uh, grief is not linear. And you find that many times when people have loss, especially in my, you know, where I live in Nigeria, um, when people experience the loss, Firstly, most people wouldn't say anything about it because if you, you know, it's, it's, you almost feel like you need to keep quiet and not talk about it. But even if you do, people come see you maybe, you know, the first week or so. And by the next week, they expect you to have moved on. Like, you know, okay, yeah, that, sorry that happened, but now you got to move on and try to have another one. Yep. And like you said, you know, even having another one doesn't take away the grief. It doesn't. So for how long, and you know, sometimes you, I remember even for myself, you know, people came to say, uh, you know, spend time with me initially, brought lots of uh, gift items or, you know, like fruit baskets. Mm. After like the first, second week, you know, that was it. Everyone I, moved on, right? So where like, where well, do they go? Yeah, where right? do they go? Like, oh, how do they forget about us? Yeah, my calls and like, yeah, my constant checkups. And so how long... I mean, is there a right amount of time that people should be checking mm. on their friends and loved ones again, because we know that it's not linear and it can keep going on and on for such a long time in the person's mind. And I know, I don't understand this. I think that, you know, cause I've been tinkering with this idea for years now, like what is the deal? Why do people disappear? Why? And I think it's because, 
like we were talking about at the beginning, it's like the silence around the topic and therefore the discomfort around it and the stigmatization around it and the shame that surrounds it. I think that people are, are rendered so uncomfortable yeah. talking about grief and talking about out of order loss that they just want nothing to do with it. It's like, okay, I did my part. I showed up, I brought you food. I sent you cards. I, you know, reached out. Can we just move on? Like, I think it's that. I think like, it's so hard to sit with people in this nebulous, you know, liminal space suspended between life and death. And I think people so badly want to just be able to move on to some good news. Oh, you're pregnant again. Okay, great. Well, this time it'll be different. Oh, well, this time, da, da, da. Like they predict the future as if they know anything. Yeah. Um, And so I think it's like, I mean, we've been groomed to think that good news is better than bad news and that, you know, hope and joy are better emotions to swim in than pain and disappointment. And so it's like, I I do understand why people don't want to hang out with us in this, but what they don't understand is how horrible it feels just horrible to, to stop hearing from people who love you, who you love, who you thought could rise to this horrible occasion with you. I don't know, for me, it changed, it changed a handful of my relationships. Uh, It does, isn't it? It does. Yeah. How many losses have you had? Mm, four and I mean, initially at some point um I did have uh one of the losses was a heterotopic pregnancy which is like one in the one ectopic pregnancy and one in the uterus at the same time so you know no one oh, realized that's was, yeah they didn't realize yeah. the tube because everything looks fine so by the time I realized there was already internal bleeding rupture and I had to have a you know quick surgery to try to resolve that and even blood transfusion after that so there was a lot of trauma, you know, after that, just thinking, is this going to happen again? And you keep like having nightmares, like, what if I hadn't gone to the clinic? What if, what if, what if? And so did everything work out though? Like, are you, did they say, you know, that they caught this in time and you can go on to try again? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, okay. But I did lose a tube, you know, and a part you of did, the world yeah. Raised, yeah. So a lot, you know, so, um, Oh, wow. I'm but so just, sorry. The yeah, intensity of that. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying that people need to. And again, people said the same thing to me after like maybe, you know, a couple of weeks. They're like, oh, OK, you know, sorry, that that one is gone now. That wasn't meant to stay. But let's mm. try, try to get the one that'll stay, you know. And, but and that's the thing. But it's not like. It's not like that. No, it's not. Because I'm meant to, first of all, that, that language I'm not a fan of, but also we, be, we begin to imagine the family. Mm. We begin to imagine ourselves as mothers or course, we begin yeah. to imagine this new life. So it's not as simple as like, oh, okay, that one wasn't meant to be. Let's just yeah. get another one. It just doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. And we're still yeah. not talking about it. Like, you know, they keep saying like miscarriages happen, 
you know, every one in four pregnancies end in a miscarriage, which to me means that's a whole lot of people. Yeah. But yet people don't want to talk about it. I mean, you see like even Chrissy Teigen spoke about yeah. it last year and the Duchess of uh, Sussex and still, yeah. yes, there was some support for them, but a lot of backlash as well. Like people saying, oh, why are you putting this? Why are you talking about this? You're looking for attention. It's like, uh, no. Unbelievable. Well, first of all, I mean, she had a stillbirth. She was 20 weeks and she, I don't understand why people were surprised that she would talk about it. Number one, since she talks about sort of everything she goes through, which I think is admirable and it's her choice. And so if people aren't interested in hearing her story, they should just not listen to it. Um, I know, right? <laughs> right. I mean, she was very forthcoming about her postpartum depression, which I thought was kind of revolutionary that she shared mm-hmm. that. It was amazing. And why shouldn't she share? It was, I thought it was so helpful yeah. and so courageous to put those images out in the world. And my hope was that this would really shift the conversation since, you know, she has such a big following and to show that, you know, she's a woman of color to show that she's like this gorgeous model. Like it's it's kind of, yeah. So like bringing that all together and being like, even I. Exactly. can happen to anyone. Right. And for some reason, people don't believe that like, oh, celebrities that they're off limits. I have no idea why people think that people with fame or fortune are off limits. And so that was, I think that was part of why she shared to show that no one is immune. Yeah. And we need to talk about it. We need to to stay silent, you know, and I find that as well, again, I see on Instagram that it appears that this happens all over the world, but I just find that sometimes people in my society sometimes don't also know the right things to say, you know, and they say that they're trying to help, but you know, when people say things like, oh, at least it happened early or, you know, at least you can get pregnant. And I'm like, well, who, who gets pregnant just to get pregnant? You know? And, and what does that even mean? Like at yeah. least you can get pregnant. If I can't stay pregnant, yeah. then it's not at least I can exactly. get pregnant. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, so which is why I love your campaign. The hashtag, I still had, uh, I had a miscarriage. It was amazing to have all those women hmm. come, you know, just, show that and say yes so what was the inspiration behind that oh yeah so let's see so my loss was in 2012 Mm. and as I mentioned I so my loss was in October uh, 2012 and then I went on to get pregnant with my daughter my my OBGYN thought it would be wise to wait three cycles so on my fourth cycle I got pregnant with my now healthy daughter who just turned seven oh wow (laughs) So I started writing about pregnancy loss, uh, bef- you know, while I was pregnant with her or even before that, but then I took a pause because of course I was riddled with anxiety. And so it was in 2014. So she had been born in 2013 mm-hmm. in 2014 is when I thought of this idea. I wanted to write a piece about my experience and inviting people to share their stories and to question the stigma and silence around uh, these experiences. And so I sent it into the New York Times and basically um, there was an image of me, you couldn't see my face. I wanted to not include my face because I wanted any person uh, who saw the image to be able to see themselves in it. Yeah. So it was a sign that said, hashtag, I had a miscarriage. 
And, and really the, the point of this was to, for better, you know, for, for lack of a better way of putting it, like to invite people in mm-hmm. to this way of sharing our stories. Now, again, I, I am all for privacy. So I don't think people, every woman needs to get on a rooftop and shout yeah. about their miscarriage by any means. But it was more just this sort of compassionate way of saying, look, if you have been quiet about it because you're embarrassed, if you have been silent because your culture requires you to be, if you have tucked this away somewhere uh, deep in your psyche or your body, let's, let's just challenge ourselves just a little bit with empathy to reimagine this. And little did I know though, that that piece and, and the hashtag would become this whole campaign. I really didn't have this big plan around it. The following year in 2015, I created a line of pregnancy and infant loss cards. And that's when I got on Instagram because of, you know, their visual nature. I hadn't really been a big social media person. Uh, And yeah, and I just, I really wanted to kind of engage a global community. I think sometimes the lost community, unfortunately, leaves out a lot of different people and different experiences. So I wanted to be sure that my community included people who terminate for medical reasons, for example. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I find that a lot of lost pages or even organizations aren't very inclusive of various, you know, ethnic backgrounds, uh, race, religions, yeah. uh, shapes and sizes, you know, so I just, I wanted my page to really, uh, you know, be more inclusive. And I had no idea really what it would become. And I, I think it's what sort of urged me to write this book so that there would be this culmination of so much, yeah. uh, work you know yeah i love the campaign i mean i saw you from nigeria so that's global so we all met it yeah i love that i can't explain how much that means to me because of my background in public health and because i've been to nigeria with my work (laughs) um yeah yeah, and and senegal i've been to and all of these different places i mean yeah that was my hope like with my public health hat that like this could reach people all over the place and because it's social media like we don't we're not going to probably have the chance unfortunately to meet face to face but that Mm -hmm. we can commune yeah you know over this horrible topic but find love and find hope and find uh a sense of being seen in this complex part of our lives, you know? Yeah. Well done. That's interesting. So, so in Nigeria, so did you stumble upon it on Instagram? Yes, I did. And I actually shared the post because I saw the videos. I was like, Oh, this is amazing. They're saying like, it Mm. felt like they were talking, like I was saying those things, right? Like what the ladies were saying with their, you know, what they had the boards, the cardboards. I was like, yeah, true. Exactly. Right. So great. It was, it was wonderful. Ah, that means everything yeah. to me. It truly does. Thank you. And Thank now you. you have a, your book launching today. Pretty exciting. I, I, Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I, yeah, I, it's surreal. I, I don't really believe it, but yes, it's, 
it is finally happening. Yeah. Yeah. And why did you decide to write the book? I feel like the book is a real sort of, um, I challenged myself to mm. go deeper, you know? So of course on Instagram and in, in a bunch of publications I've, I've written over the years, you know, I do share my story, but I wanted to go further. I wanted mm. this to be an invitation into my intimate life. Mm. And I wanted to kind of shed light on the complexity that took place in my work life, right? So because as a therapist, I mean, we, I was never trained to deal with being pregnant in my office, let alone losing the pregnancy in my office, face to face, you know, across, sitting across from people who were going through this very same thing. Yeah. So I really wanted to illuminate that in the book. Uh, but what I do in the book that I think is what I do, try to do also on, on the Instagram page is through kind of fictitious patients, uh -huh. I am trying to capture all the various ways that our lives are affected in the aftermath of loss. And so through different patients, I'm showing, you know, recurrent loss, ectopic pregnancy, terminating for medical reasons, stillbirth, infant loss, you know, single motherhood by choice, uh, IVF, you know, just a lot of, a lot of different perspectives. Yeah. And so the book is part memoir, but then also part manifesto kind of you know, me inviting the people, you know, people into this uh, questioning space. Can we question these things together? And can we forge ahead in a world that is different than the one we've grown up in? Yeah, that's so amazing. Helping to normalize these conversations and help people get seen and feel seen. I hope so. Yeah. It's, it's like there, I'm waiting for this once and for all thing to actually take yeah. hold, like once and for all, it needs yes. to be different. You it know, does. it really does. People need to feel less isolated and no yes. shame. There's so much shame attached to it because again, you know, people say that you're supposed to be able to have kids. That's why you're a woman, you know, yes. and then people can say, well, people start feeling ashamed thinking, well, if my body can do this, then maybe, you know, Maybe it, maybe something is wrong with me, right? And it, and it's and it, it's not fair. It's not right. People shouldn't feel that way. Do you have um, a family history? Like, or does anybody in your family open up to you about loss? Or can you talk about it with no. the women? No. Well, well, you know, again, there's a lot of hush hush. So then, right. you know, I am not aware that my mom ever had any, and even if she did. Okay. I doubt she would ever say because, <laughs> oh, okay. you know, she has a tendency to not say things she feels are not positive. So yes. she'll just keep it to herself and never say it. So I wouldn't expect anything from her. <laughs> Even though sense. you're telling her, do you tell her? Yeah. Not really? Yeah. I tell her yeah. she's aware, but yeah. then, you know, she just, she's just, she's that way for many things. Like she's just not going to talk about stuff that she doesn't feel is positive. Mm. And there's a whole lot of, especially in her generation, there's a lot of, Hush, hush. Because again, I tell her about the podcast and that, like, oh, maybe uh, someone is going to use a surrogate. She's like, oh yeah, I know someone that did that. And I'm like, well, how come you never tell, told me, you know? But, exactly. So she wouldn't say anything about herself, but she would just, you know, say, oh yeah, okay, I heard of that before. Mm. That's it. So there's a lot of hush, hush as part of the culture anyway. Yes, yes. You know, that's what people do. 
Um, you know, and we keep exploring ways to help people feel more comfortable. Um, so again, like I was saying earlier, people keep saying that I'm not sure how to support you. And then when they do, they say things that are not right. I mean, so in your opinion, what ways do you think hmm. people can support their friends and family who've experienced a loss? Well, on to your point though, about people asking us how they can support us. <laughs> I find that terribly ironic. Um, I don't think a griever should have to educate people about how best to support like, them. Okay, hold on a minute. Yeah, yeah wait a second. That. I'm not already busy dealing with my grief. I, I have a lot of free time to educate you now. And the truth is when you're in the throes of the grief, or at least for me, I, I couldn't have told somebody how best to support me yeah. um, because you're just so deep in it and you've never been through it before or I hadn't. And so uh, that it's a, it's a strange befuddling question that, that people ask. But here's the thing. I think it's simple. I think it's super simple. How are you? That's all. Three words. Yeah. And then for me anyway, and I would imagine a lot of people, consistency is the key. So follow yeah. up, follow up, follow up, follow up. Even when people can tell themselves, well, I don't want to bring it up because what if she's not thinking about it and she's having a good I day? Know. I don't want to, oh, please, that's an excuse. Ask and she can say, I'm actually doing great and I don't need to talk about this today, but thanks for, for asking or whatever. So I really think it's simple. Support can just be reaching out, acknowledging someone's truth, acknowledging someone's life, acknowledging someone's loss, and then following up because the follow-up represents that, the person isn't trying to make it go away. They're not trying to erase what you've been through. Yeah. So following up just shows like you're in my mind, your experience existed and, it, and continues to exist. Yeah. Well said. And I think, I don't, you know, yeah. Cause my, remember one of my sisters listened to a podcast where I spoken about my experience with the uh, heterotopic pregnancy. And then she came to me, she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not sure we supported you properly at the time you know she's like I'm Great. looking back now and thinking because again when I say positive versus negative perhaps I should rephrase that and just say you know people like things that ha uh, end with a happy ending exactly so, so even my mom would be like okay I'm really sorry this happened but then she's not trying to talk about it because she thinks like you said I don't want to remind her I want her to talk about good things like, oh, I remember someone that had a uh, loss and then next minute or next month they had a baby and they, like, they got pregnant exactly. and they had a baby the next year. So, you know, yes. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to want to yes. say, you know, don't sit in this one, try to move on, you know, and. But so how was that for you that your sister acknowledged that? That sounds it powerful. Really, it was really yeah. good. And I said, so, oh no, you did what was best in that time. Because again, my sister wasn't living in the same city as me. Mm. And as soon as she heard, she flew back in the same day that I had the surgery and she found out, oh, you know, and this is a big so deal because she had to bring her son as well. So it was wow. really amazing that she did that. And I told that, you know, at that time, that was enough, right? The fact that you came, you left everything you were doing and just came straight up to, to be with me. And even mm. if you're not saying the right things or you're not saying anything, your presence was enough. 
Ah, so it was, it was good. And I was glad that she was thinking about it as well. Exactly. I mean, I think the capacity for reflection, you know, imbues the situation with empathy just by, you know, thinking about it, reflecting on it shows that the person is capable of uh, being with you. Oh, that's so lovely that she, that she came. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I want to talk a little bit about your book and how people in Nigeria or Africa could get your book. I think that is such an important question that I need to ask my publisher um, today. But so, yeah, I mean, uh, the audiobook is available and that can be listened to worldwide. Uh, And then if you want the paperback version, I would first check with Amazon to see if it ships to where you are. And okay. if not, I will get the link to you and your audience immediately. Okay. Right, uh, yes, because, wow, I would really yeah, honor. It, uh, it would help a lot of people. Yeah, it would just be myself. so great if yeah. it could reach everybody. Yes. Exactly. And I did check on Amazon. It is available for audio. So that right. can be the first uh, step. Perfect. Um, or like audible.com exactly yes yeah the audiobook is through i did it with uh penguin random house so maybe also okay. on their website so there's a bunch of options for the audiobook yes right perfect okay and if people want to reach out to you or connect or you know your even your hashtag i had a miscarriage campaign and perhaps if you make another video in the future we could have some people in different african countries <sighs> also you know use their faces and that, you know, that'll be good too, because again, many times you might not find people in our societies mm-hmm. talking about it so publicly. So perhaps that might be good too. <laughs> yes, let's get that rolling today. Thank you. Yes, yes. Uh, I, yes that is such a uh, wonderful and important suggestion. And yes, please, I would love to, to get that going right away. For sure. And sympathy yeah. cards. That was really interesting. I never seen that before to have sympathy cards for specifically. Oh, yeah. I know for that's why I made them. The loss. Yes. Because the ones that like Hallmark makes have angels and, and yeah. it's, there's a lot of like religious symbolism. Yeah. And that did not resonate with me. So I wanted to make cards that were just candid and real and that people could relate to. But if people want to connect with me, they can find me at I Had a Miscarriage on Instagram. And they can also check out my website and come to me that way. It's drjessicazucker.com. Wonderful. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. And yeah. as a wrap up, are there any words of encouragement or advice for anyone listening that who just experienced a loss? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to keep this really simple because I think it is. And, and my words would simply be, you know, you are not alone and it sounds cliche and you may have heard it before, but I mean, if we really let ourselves marinate on this as a mantra, like I am not alone and I did nothing to deserve this loss, Yes, you know, and I am going to attempt to embrace myself with compassion and eschew the silence, the stigma and the shame, because it doesn't work for me. And, you know, really trying to have profound and enduring empathy with oneself, because I hear so much about this concept of body failure, like, oh, something must be wrong with me. 
I hate my body. I'm not really a woman, all of these kinds of concepts. And it's like, what if we didn't do that? What if we didn't do that? That is the revolution. If we just don't do that, we can think, because I think we're, we're trying to disrupt the flow of grief by blaming ourselves. We're trying to kind of grasp onto control where we don't have any. Yeah. So we think, oh, if I just hate myself, maybe this won't hurt as much. That is just altogether not true. Maybe if we can swim in this grief together, if we can drop into it, we can just lean into how horrible it feels. Maybe then we resurface and we will always be different. Like, obviously everybody has different feelings about their losses, uh, but we don't need to try to quote unquote, get back to our previous selves. It's not really, it may not be possible. And there's really no, it's such a waste of energy, honestly. Yeah. I think that, you know, when we know death intimately, why should, why would we be the same? How, how could we ever go back to, you know, being more naive? I mean, I, I wish that I could have been naive in this way forever, but once I was no longer, I just, I had to kind of embrace like, this is the new normal for me. Um, So, yeah. So, you know, you're not alone. You did nothing wrong. And there is a global community of incredible people who know your pain too well. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been amazing having you on here, Dr. Jessica. And actually, I I said that was the last question, but I did actually just think about one. Sure. In my society, I think people don't really want to talk about therapy or counseling. Yes. How important is it to help when you've experienced a loss to go to some form of therapy or counseling? I mean, as a psychologist, I can't not believe or feel that it can be so useful. But of course, I understand that there's incredible amounts of stigma around mental health as well. So short of being able to meet with a counselor or a therapist, I think that people in you know, cultures or societies where there isn't really access uh, or again, there's stigmatization around it or resources aren't available for it. I think even connecting through their, you know, support groups can be right. helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, or even, you know, a lot of people that uh, I've seen over the years, they go to clergy. Like, so if that's something that right. resonates Church, for yeah. you, or, yeah, or, you or could almost, go to, right. or your rabbi, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but I, at the heart of your question, I think what you're saying is like, or asking is, does talking help? And yeah. does connecting with someone other than friends and family help? And the answer is a resounding yes. We need more than our friends and family sometimes. Yeah. Especially like in your situation and mine, that the trauma level is so great that you can't really work that through just by telling a friend over and over again, you know, what happened. And so I think we need sometimes a professional perspective who can really validate just how 
complicated this was and the ways that that affects your mental health. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Jessica. It's been amazing having you on here. You know, just to have this conversation, this is very important conversations. Again, we need to speak more about uh, losses and how it impacts people. So thank you so much for all you're doing to recognize women around the world who've experienced losses, to help normalize this conversation, to help make them feel seen. You know, with your, your campaign, hashtag I had a miscarriage and now, and your sympathy cards and now your book, a memoir. Thank you so much, really. Well, right back at you. Your yeah. work is absolutely amazing and I'm so happy to connect with you. Thank you. And we are so happy to have your book now. So we're all gonna go get it. Oh yeah. At listening and getting the support that we need and hearing the stories. So thank you so much, Dr. Jessica. And we hope to have you again in the near future. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.